Podcasting from a sex writing cave somewhere in the middle of the internet, this is The Smutlancer Show, a weekly podcast where we discuss writing about sex and getting paid to do it. The Smutlancer Podcast is hosted by Kayla Lords and Molly Moore, two sex bloggers who have more ideas than they have time in the day. If this is your first time listening, glad to have you. If you're back for another week, welcome back. The Smutlancer Podcast is produced weekly, except during those times when we finally admit we need a mini vacation. Show notes are found at thesmutlancer.com. When you're ready to take your Smutlancing career to a new level, join the Smutlancers community on Patreon. For as little as $5 per month, you can ask questions, get answers, and interact with both Molly and Kayla and an entire community of other people who create content about sex and want to get paid to do it. Head over to patreon.com slash thesmutlancers. That's patreon.com slash thesmutlancers to learn more. Hey, everybody. Kayla Lords here one of two hosts of the Smutlancers podcast. Uh, this week, it's my week to be by myself. And as always, when it's my week to be by myself, I miss Molly, but that's okay. That's okay. We'll be back together in a couple of weeks. Um, this week, I don't know what episode number it is. I won't know uh, until I actually put this post together, this uh, episode together. But for whatever week we're on, 80 something, um, I thought I'd talk about something that I've talked about in several different ways and in several different places. Like if you follow me on Twitter at The Smutlancer, you've probably seen this advice at least a little bit. Um, But we're gonna talk about some things that can help you, I think, build relationships with editors and maybe help you get more pitches accepted if you are pitching to online publications. I know right now with the state of the world, more people are pitching, you need a little extra cash, you need, an ability to, you know, start jump to start the Smutlancer career, what whatever it may be. Um, I believe these tips, one, are pretty timeless. They're going to work even when the world is not on fire outside. And also, two, they work across um, industries. So it doesn't matter if you're pitching sex content, dating content, or vanilla content. Um, essentially, uh, working with editors and being a freelance writer and um, getting your content published on other platforms kind of all works the same uh, with a massive caveat. And that is that every editor is different and every site is different. So these are general rules to follow when you don't have the specific information of what a site wants or what an editor wants, okay? So um, the whole idea of this is to share with you things that I have learned, one, as a writer, establishing relationships with editors who thankfully keep saying, yeah, sure, write that article for us. And also as an editor, now that I've been on the other side, um, I, I get why the emails did not always get responded to quickly by former editors I've worked with. I have a better, I think, understanding of um, what that world is like. I've been doing editing work now for, oh, at the time of recording in um, mid to late April, I would say 14 months, 16 months, something like that. I'm definitely not an expert. I still have plenty to learn. I slide into my editor friends DMs all the time when I have questions. Um, But I tend to look at it as beyond whatever the site and the person who hired me expects. I try to treat the writers I work with um, the way my favorite editors have treated me to the best of my abilities. So we're going to go through these tips. Um, The 
Tips will be in the show notes if you need to go back, if you're listening and you can't exactly take notes. Also, there will be a lot of links to a lot of content. Um, if you want to get into pitching your ideas um, to write about and to create content for other sites, um, I have spent a lot of time on the site over the past few years creating that content because I knew that the majority of the people who would follow me would probably be interested in that. Um, that's a good thing to do whether you want to be a freelance writer or you just want to get your name out as an expert if you have the ability to write, even if that's not what you want your full-time job to be. Um, being able to pitch your ideas and get them accepted and then get content into the hands of an editor has lots of different uses beyond creating a full-time smut lancer, freelancer uh, job. So let's get into it. So the first thing I would say when you're pitching yourself, you are... Um, figuring out you're about to work with this editor, hopefully, if they like your pitch. If there are guidelines available, please read for, read through them. Um, on one, two, all of the sites, yeah, all of the sites I work with at this point, there are submission guideline pages or write for us guideline pages. Um, it might not be every single thing, but those are the expectations. And it's a really easy way to reject kind of a half-baked idea that wasn't that good to begin with when the person could not even follow the fairly simple guidelines that we put together because those guidelines uh, a couple things it shows that you can you're reading and paying attention and are trying to give the person what they want which is ultimately what any freelance writer is doing whether you're working for a client or you're working for another publication um two it makes from my perspective, it makes my job easier. If I get what I want the way I ask for it, then that's less work for me to have to do. And in a world where I personally, and I'm not alone in this, I'm dealing with about 10 email inboxes, four of which accept uh, pitches and submissions. Yeah, it's a lot. And so I don't really have time to parse through somebody's words to figure out what they meant when I told them how to pitch and then they didn't. Um, the next thing I would say that that goes on top of that is when you are pitching. So you read the guidelines. Great. Now you're writing your pitch. Make it concise. Give me the information I've asked for. If it happens to be one of the things I'm accepting pitches for, give the editor or the um, person who's accepting pitches the, con the information they asked for, but please be concise. When I open up an email from a total stranger and it's a wall of text and the first two paragraphs uh, is your history of who you are as a writer well before I even know your idea, I am have probably not reading. I just, and that sounds really cold and I know it sounds really cold, but I, when there's multiple other people that, and I think I even say in some of my submission pages where, where I'm the editor, like, I just need a one or two sent sentence. Tell me who you are. Like, literally, you can say, hi, my name is, you know, Kayla Lords, and I'm a writer about this topic. That's it. I don't need you to prove that you have the degree or that you have the background unless in the guidelines I've asked for that. If it's not, if that information is not asked for in that publication's uh, guidelines, you don't need, please, you do not need to put it. I'm, I'm telling you, unless an editor asks for it and they teach you that that's what they want, you, d you don't have to, please don't do that. Um, I'm looking for at a quick glance, I want to look at the top and go, this is this person. This is what they say they write about. Here's what they want to write about. Now I know as a writer, how difficult it is to 
in two or three sentences max is my personal preference. Every, every editor will be a little bit different um, to sum up what you're thinking. But I will also give you a little tough love and say, if you have not thought your idea through enough to be able to at least sum up what you are kind of saying in two to three sentences, you might need to spend more time thinking through your idea. Um, because ultimately that's what I've got to make a decision on. I can't, when it's an informational article, I'm not going to read through basically half of what you will ultimately write to decide if I think it's a good fit. I need sort of the uh, Cliff's Notes version. Am I too old? Does anybody even know what Cliff's Notes are anymore? Uh, if you don't, for I think in the U.S., I know in the U.S., I don't know what they're like anywhere else. They were the little teeny tiny yellow books that summed up uh, big, thick, long books that nobody wanted to read in high school. I did not read Cliff's Notes. I read the actual book, <laughs> but I did have them and I didn't know about them. I want the Cliff's Notes version. I want the highlights. I want the, here's what I think the title might be, you know, five ways to do this on a date, right? And in this piece, I'm going to focus on you know, this action with this theme, I'm getting things with that are related to COVID-19. I'm getting things that are related to sex toys. I'm getting, you know, me personally as an editor, those are the things I'm getting and the get to the point, I think is what I, a rambler, am telling you. Yes, I understand irony. I know, but that's what I'm telling you. When you're sending your pitch, get to the point. Give me the necessary details, but don't make me wade through a wall of text to figure out what you're saying. Um, in at the smutlancer.com website, I have that information for you. I have multiple articles that talk about how to pitch, how to write a pitch, how to formulate a pitch. If you do not know how to do this, the information is there. I will link to it in the show notes. Also, if you subscribe to the Smutlancer newsletter, which is usually a weekly newsletter, I say usually because sometimes I skip weeks because I'm tired. Um, but when you subscribe to that, the freebie you get is a PDF version of multiple blog posts put together that will help you learn how to pitch your writing ideas to other online publications. Okay, so this next one, let's see, you've read your guidelines, you've sent your pitch, and you've heard nothing. I like to, when I can, on the sites I edit and I accept pitches for, I like to put a guideline of approximately how long it'll take before you might hear anything if you're going to hear anything. I tend not to respond uh, on rejections. That is not something everybody does. I've had some editors respond to tell me thanks, but no thanks. And I've had many, many others who do not. Um, I do not. It is a choice I make. We can have a conversation about that another time. Um, but that doesn't mean I'm opposed to there being a follow-up. There are some guidelines I've read as a writer where they say, do not follow up. We will not be answering. If you do not hear from us, we have not accepted your idea. Move on, right? Go ahead and pitch it somewhere else. Um, some will tell you how long you can, will expect an answer. The sites I edit for, that's what I do. I wrote those submission guidelines, y'all. <laughs> I put that in there because I know it's helpful. Um, if that's there, and you've read those guidelines and it says, you know, two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, whatever amount of time. Once you hit that time frame, go ahead and follow up. And it doesn't, you don't need to reiterate your pitch idea. Um, I would actually forward your original pitch. So it's all there. You've already written it. 
uh, edited if you see any typos, you know, why, why wouldn't you? But basically just say, hey, I'm following up on this idea. I sent whatever date you sent it. Um, you know, thanks for your time and attention. Sign your name. Move on. It's just a follow up. You might still not hear from them. It might have been a rejection. But I have truly had editors go, oh, my gosh, I'm so glad you followed up. That got lost in my inbox. Yes, I'll take it. So if I had not followed up, that's a job I would not have gotten otherwise. Do not be afraid. You are not bothering people. Y'all, y'all, how many of you have looked at an email in your inbox and gone, I don't have to look at that right now. Editors are the same. They're not offended. Most of them, if they have any, you know, decency to them, they're not offended by a follow-up. They will be not happy with multiple follow-ups. One follow-up would be my personal recommendation. There might be people out there who tell you two is fine. Some editors, as you get to know them, Maybe you write a couple things for them and they, they tell you, pitch me anytime. Maybe they even say, you might have to remind me a couple times. If you get that kind of go ahead, take them, take it, take them at their word. But until you establish that relationship, you know, don't spam them, don't bug them, but do follow up. Um, I used to have a spreadsheet that I would put the date I sent the pitch, the topic of the pitch, the outlet, and then I would either go ahead and put the date of when I meant to follow up um, or I would wait and just kind of check it and go, oh, wait, it's been a couple weeks. Let me follow up on that. Whatever you need to do to stay organized if you're doing a lot of pitching, um, writing in any state, any sort, whether you're fiction, nonfiction, pitching or whatever, it is a numbers game. The more you pitch, you get a lot of rejections, but it's the only way you get multiple yeses as well. So whatever organizational you know, tool you prefer to use. I was always a spreadsheet person. That's just what I used. Um, but yeah, do not be afraid to follow up. Just don't spam them. And don't think you have to recreate your pitch. Literally go into your sent folder, forward that original email and say, following up on this idea, see below, or this pitch idea that I sent on blah, blah date, see below for details. Thanks for your time and attention. That's it. That's it. You don't have to go into any reasons. You don't have to like fall all over yourself apologizing that you're bothering them. Nope, nope, nope. Keep it short, sweet, and professional and move on. Okay. Now, let's say you read the guidelines. You pitched the thing. Maybe you followed up and they went, oh yeah, thanks for that reminder. You get the job. I don't know how, not every editor does it the same way. Um, I don't, I can't give you a baseline of what to expect from every editor. I can only tell you what I do. And I can tell you what has been done with me. What I do when I accept an idea is I tell you when I need it by. Um, if I know I'm asking for a really tight turnaround, less than about a week, um, I will say, if that does not work, let me know. I know that's a tight turnaround. I'll, I'll be flexible. I really want it. I'm not, I don't give arbitrary dates. I give dates for when I want it, but I can be flexible. If your pitch included the date of when you would have that um, content sent to them, which is a pitch best practice, um, and they don't give you a date, go with that date. If an editor does give you a date, go with the date they give you, unless there's a problem. Um, the other side of that is I have had, um, editors say, when do you think you could get this to me by? And they put it in my court. That for me has usually been after a relationship has been established. I've submitted a couple of pieces that they liked. They want to keep working with me. They get really, really flexible. Um, from my personal perspective, me giving you a date is a bit of a test. Can you hit a deadline? 
because I cannot work with writers who cannot hit deadlines. I set deadlines based on when I need content. Sometimes my content calendar goes wonky. I've had that happen on one of the sites that I was editing for before it went on hiatus. Um, and it meant I had a backlog of content that I couldn't publish when I wanted to. Um, and then it gets a little weird, but if I'm giving somebody a date, that's when I want it. So this is where this next tip comes into play in my experience. Most often, if there is a problem with your deadline, with finding the resources you thought you would be able to find for your article, for whatever is going on, you've got to communicate those problems. You have got to email the person and say, Hey, I'm having a problem. Here is the problem. Can I get another week? Can I get another date? Can I, you know, can, can we work this out? The worst thing and the thing that just sort of, I knew it was a reality, but I had never seen it before. Cause I'm not a writer like this. I have been ghosted by more writers they email, they do send a great pitch. Like I was, it wasn't even a mercy. Yes. It was like a, Oh, okay. Yeah, they did. This is good. And I like this idea and I'm really excited about this idea. And this could be really cool. And I email them back and I give them a deadline. And sometimes that deadline's like six months out. It depends on my content schedule. Y'all. Um, not usually sometimes it was like three months out, but sometimes it did work that way. And, um, they just never, they never showed up. Sometimes it was two weeks, never got a thing. Never got a thing. And because I can't remember every deadline I set for everybody, I have a spreadsheet. And what would happen is I would go into my spreadsheet and I'd check and go, huh, who am I waiting for content for? And I, I would see a blank spot because every time I receive content, I go in and update that um, spreadsheet with who sent what on what date. So when I'm ready to start publishing content, I know where I can go pull from. I know what I've received. And there's a hole there and we're four days past the deadline. And so then I will give the benefit of the doubt. I'm like, maybe there's an email I didn't see. Maybe I forgot something. Maybe I got it and I didn't update my spreadsheet. Maybe something went to spam. Now I have just done 10 minutes of work to discover that this writer ghosted and maybe they had a problem. Maybe they couldn't write the article. Maybe they, you know, forgot and, and realized at the last minute, maybe they got sick, like all kinds of things happen. But when they happen, if you're trying to actually establish a working relationship with this site and this potential editor, and some sites are way bigger and there's like a bunch of editors. So you're establishing relationships with a bunch of people. Um, you need to say something. I have never denied a writer extra time when they said something to me. Hey, Kayla, I'm sick. And you know, whatever. Hey, Kayla, something like wild happened and what, whatever, whatever. I've never denied a writer extra time, but the writer who ghosts me, I will never, I don't care how good your pitch is. Nope. And nope. Uh, mm -mm. because what I desperately want are writers I can depend on so that when their pitches show up in my inbox, I'm like, Ooh, hopefully this is a good idea. And I can take this cause I know I can depend on them because they communicate with me. Y'all, we're smut lancers. We're already talking about sex and relationships and talking about how important communication is. Relationships with your editors are like any other relationship. You got to communicate. Please reach out when there's a problem. Reach out if you're lost and confused. M most editors I've ever met are either also writers at the same time or they started out as writers. Like, I don't think anybody just like comes out of the womb editing. I mean, there's some background in actually doing the thing before they become an editor most of the time. They understand that things happen. They even understand that you thought your idea was great until you started researching it. 
it might mean that the idea gets shelved and they might be like, okay, you're going to need to pitch me another one. We'll have to go through this again. But not saying anything is the worst thing you could do because then the impression you're giving is that you're not dependable and you can't be relied upon. And then you might have just lost future work. So that's something to consider. <clears throat> okay. The next thing that I will say, I know sways me as an editor and it is why um, I have sort of a short list of writers that if I know I'm looking for something, I will actually reach out to them first. If I know there are opportunities, I will reach out to them first. Whether it's not even working with me, it's just opportunities I hear about. And here's why. The best thing that's ever happened to me from an editor's standpoint is when I get a piece of content that's on the idea that was agreed upon that's well formatted we'll talk about that in a second that's concise that's nearly error free nobody is perfect there will always be something there will always be something that can be corrected and changed that's my job to do it that's why i get to do this part of it right but it's nearly flawless i'm looking through it and there's not some weird sentence that i had to read four times to decipher it there's not a bunch of typos there's it's as flawless as that writer could get it and they made the reading of that post or that article an absolute pleasure because it was so flawless oh my god chef's kiss mm, love it that's a person that when they show up in my inbox they're going to the top like oh yes what what do you have for me it's almost an automatic yes um I have had conversations with writers when I'm trying to encourage them to pitch to whatever I'm working on. I'm like, I've read your writing. The answer is probably yes. Could you just pitch the idea? If the idea doesn't work, I'll work with you on that. I've read your writing. Please pitch me. I want to publish you somewhere else too. Um, because that is, that's a skill. And that's a skill to be able to send over copy that's, you know, as good as you can possibly make it. And that level of good makes my job easy. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for somebody with talent and drive who can communicate and quite frankly, will make my job easy. And that sounds lazy. I don't care <laughs> because I've got somebody over me going, when are we going to get a post out? When's that post going to come out? I really like that idea, but when's that? And I'm like, uh, I'm sorry, I'm spending, I've either got to send it back to a writer, which I hardly ever do, but I will do, or I've got to spend a lot of time massaging this to make it better um so what i mean by that what that how that translates to you as a writer um is one you need to always be working on your craft if you're going to be a writer full-time if that's your goal you have to work on your craft working on your craft means reading about it or listening or however you consume content it means writing a lot for yourself and for others the more you do it the better you get it means finding the tools that help you with the things where you know you're not strongest. Like, I don't know why it took me all these years to finally start using it, but Grammarly, the free version, I don't even pay for it yet. I am considering it has been amazing. I'm so glad to have Grammarly as a browser extension for um, a lot of the writing I do because it's catching things that I usually catch when I go back and edit myself, but I might not because I'm not, I don't see it automatically. And I am. Um, it's experience and learning what other editors like. So the more you, like I said before, the more you do it, the better you'll get. And the more you do it in different places for different people, the better you'll get because you learn how to be limber. You learn how to go, okay, this site likes this, you know, really long, in-depth, detailed 
um, content and this site wants something short and punchy. And, th and as you can learn to, if that's what you're interested in doing, of course, navigate from style to style to style, sitting down to write does over time become easier. Um, but that's part of it. Okay. If that's your goal, if your goal is not to do that, your goal is just to like, sometimes maybe pitch an idea. You know, I could see why you wouldn't invest all this time, but if you're trying to be a full-time writer, then you need to write full-time, even if nobody's paying you for it. I highly recommend a blog, but we've already had that conversation. Um, the next thing I will say, and this will lead into some more general tips, um, is that oh, it's hard to do the first time you write an article for a publication. Becomes easier if you start writing for them on a regular basis. But you have to, especially if you want them to continue taking your ideas, or at least working with you to find the ideas that work for the site, um, you have to learn how to write for that publication. Now, if you've never written for them before, then what you need to do is to go peruse their site. What kind of content do they publish? What do the, you know, how short are the paragraphs? How short is the content? Are these all like thousand, two thousand word screeds and total copious details and lots of references and they're getting quotes or is it a list form or is it really short paragraphs and really short sentences and meant to be really light like what is this um one of the places sites i'm editing for now is an online retailer like they just opened up their site to contributors i'm their main writer i ghostwrite i blog under my name and now i edit other contributors work and the all the contributors are great, which was really cool to be able to kind of help put that sort of team together. But I can tell the writers who did their homework because they literally sent me their final copy in the format of every other blog post on that site. And, they, and it does have a very standardized format. It's not my favorite format, but I'm not the one who owns the site. And it's a format I can live with, even if it's not what I would do. Uh, and that's what they sent me. And that when they send me pitches, they send me pitches that are similar but different because we're looking for something different from contributors than we are from the basic blog. Um, and they did their homework. So freelance writing isn't all writing. <laughs> Clearly it's editing, right? We've already talked about that, but it's also doing your research. Um, and part of that research is to actually go pay attention to that site. Now, sometimes you're pitching a site that you love. You've been reading. I did that with Kinkley. I loved them. So pitching, I already knew what I was getting or what they wanted because I was reading them all the time. But sometimes you pitch because you need the money and you don't know anything about this site except that they're accepting pitches. Well, before you pitch, you need to at least go peruse the topics, the titles of the posts. Like what kind of content do they even publish so I know what to pitch. But once you get the job and they're like, yeah, sure, we'll take this, go read some blog posts. What... And more than one, like read a handful of them. What do they seem to, to look for? What style do they seem to look for? What uh, format do they put a blog post in? And then try to give them that. Because what you've done is you've just made the editor's job easier. Now, all of that has a massive caveat of... Sometimes an editor will have guidelines or will tell you exactly what they want in the final piece. I have also created those guidelines. 
And everything I've just said might fly out the window in face of actual written guidelines. Follow the actual written guidelines, y'all. <laughs> um, but when you don't have that, and most of the time you won't, that's what you do. And if you hear any squeaking in the background, that's my elderly dog coughing. So I want to give you some more generalized rules based on writing for the publication, learning how to give them what they want. So you make an editor's job easier so that they're very excited when you show up in, in their inbox. Now, caveat to this is every, I've said it already many times, every editor is different. Um, but in the absence of an editor giving you clear instruction and or your own research and homework into looking into that site and seeing what they clearly are willing to publish. I've read, I've read sites where uh, this is something that would be better printed than published online. I mean, it's massive paragraphs and really long, complex sentences, and it's great writing and it's beautiful writing, but it's not internet writing. And some sites can get away with that. They gain a reputation for being pretty cerebral and intellectual, and the people who go to read there are happy to spend 20 minutes reading one piece of content. The majority of the sites that most of us are pitching to are not those kinds of sites. So these rules, while generic, um, in my experience as both a writer and an editor, help, okay? So one, vary your sentence length. I, if you ever read my personal blog, am a rambler. I love a comma splice. I love a parenthetical. I want you to go on the train of thought that I am on. Um, that's my personal writing, and I choose to write that way because it's the most natural for me. That is not how I do my freelance writing. Unless a client says, no, I, I like that style. Go ahead. It's fine. I want your voice, so it's fine. It's short sentences and long sentences. And every once in a while you throw a complex sentence in, but once we get into the, the territory of five commas, the sentence is probably too long. Um, and it's avoiding things like is, are, am. Those are not the to be verbs, the conjugations. No, to be is the verb, the conjugations of to be, right? Um, it's a lovely word. It's a useful word. Sometimes it's the only verb you can use, but most of the time that's not true. I uh, spent a while on one person's content last week that got published because of, I don't know, several hundred words. Three sentences were not is, am, are, were. And that is, we, we, that, that's not going to work um, because there are other ways to say things. And it was actually overall a really good um, post and the content was really good. It was just kind of hard to read, not hard. It gets boring to read. They are this, she is that, you know, I am this. It's, it's very difficult. Um, so vary your sentence length. Give me short, give me long minimize the really complex. The complex has a place. If one sentence can be a paragraph, that one sentence better be the only one that does that in the whole post. If you're writing for me, I cannot speak for another editor. Um, because of the sites that I edit for, I know they're writing for internet readers. They are, they want content for the skimmers. 
Okay. They want content for the people who come to a site, their eyes run over it really quickly. They wait to see something that catches their attention. If they don't see it, they bounce. Okay. That's your stereotypical writing for an internet reader. Um, because most of us don't have time. Most of us, we do skim before we decide if we're going to read the whole thing. So you need it to be kind of digestible, kind of easy to read. Um, not dumbed down, not like so that it takes all of your creativity out of it. It's just every single sentence should not be a complex sentence is what I'm for this when when you're working with me should not be. It will be different for others. Uh, shorter paragraphs in general are better. Uh, this is both fiction and nonfiction. I'm still learning my way as a fiction editor. Like I still have lots to learn. So you will not hear me talking about this for a very long time, but I can tell you, I have spent a lot of time on both sides, fiction and nonfiction, just breaking up paragraphs. You know, if I'm looking at basically I'm in a Google doc or a word doc and one paragraph is half that page, that paragraph is too long. People on the internet who have limited time and attention and don't care yet, they're not an invested reader yet, they're not, hang they're not reading that. Whatever your point was in the middle of that paragraph is now lost. They have not looked at it. The other thing, um, again, absent actual guidelines, use subheadings. If you go into that, that publication's site and you see subheadings in their content, then when you submit that content, put subheadings in. Um, if you don't see it, then fine, don't worry about it. But the majority will, you will probably see it. This is not true in your fiction or even your creative nonfiction where when you're storytelling, um, but it is true and in informational. Most of the time they're going to want subheadings. I know I always want subheadings. If you're writing informational content for me, throw some subheadings in there because I'm going to have to go in and do it. And you might not even like my subheadings. I might break up your piece in a way that doesn't even make sense to you anymore, but I got to do what I got to do. And I'm not going to send it back for something that basic because I can do it faster and get it done quicker than sending it back to the writer and waiting for the turnaround. Um, do not be afraid on informational content of bullet points. Um, not everything needs a five sentence um, explanation. Sometimes you can just get the content out um, with a list and bullet points. Uh, one of the things that I have been taught by some clients I've been writing for for a very long time is don't be afraid to bold things. So sometimes I'm trying to vary the content for this client and it's actually the vanilla stuff. It's not even the good stuff. And in under one subheading, I did bullet points because that made sense there. And then in another subheading, I did bullet points because it made sense there. But now in the center of this piece, I've got this, these blocks of text that are not skimmable, that our eyes will gloss over, but it's important information. Well, in those cases, sometimes I will bold or italicize or both important terms or phrases where I really want the reader to pay attention. Now that is a style and that comes under editorial purview and editor may say, nope, we don't need emphasis there. It's fine. Um, but I have gotten into a habit when I submit writing to others, if I think it helps break up the monotony of all that text, I will do that, especially if what I'm doing is I'm defining a word in a paragraph. Um, I actually wrote a piece of content that was basically what is BDSM and I was defining all of the words and in places where um, bullet points didn't make sense and I was using an entire paragraph to explain what bondage is, I just highlighted the term bondage. So it was at the very beginning of the paragraph, the very beginning of the sentence, your eye, the reader's eye is drawn to it. It's a stylistic choice. 
Not every editor will want it or care. It's fine. But don't be afraid to play around with that, especially once you've done your homework and discovered what that site does. If that site's doing that stuff and you know in your writing, hey, this term, I'm defining this term here, or, oh, this sentence right here is like a really, it's short and succinct and it's a really good sentence. And this is the whole point of everything. But I have a word count, so I can't, it can't just be this sentence, but I got a whole paragraph surrounding this sentence. Bolt that sucker, highlight it, draw the eyes to it. Um, this is easier to do once you learn what the editor wants and how your content will then be published. Um, I can honestly say I did not do this for a long time. Um, and I don't know why I think I, it was my imposter syndrome, but I used to not go and look at how content I had submitted and gotten paid for was actually published. Meaning what styles did they use? What, um, subheadings and headings and did they change anything into bullet points? Did they, you know, put some statements in bold? Did they pull, you know, sort of pull out quotes and use call outs? Like how did they actually publish my work? But when I did, I learned a lot. I learned what they're looking for. I learned what they found was like the most important part of that piece and that they drew attention to it for. So what that did for me is I, as I kept writing for them, I would do that for them. And now I know as an editor, if I did it well, I was making their job easier, which means that they're like, oh, look, we have a limited uh, amount of money to spend on writers. Who do we want to work with? We want to work with the person that was the easiest and gave us the good content. They gave us content we could use. They gave us content consistently. Um, Y'all, working with editors is not about being the best writer on the block. I've had some great writers that couldn't hit a deadline in a freaking you know, van. Like they, they couldn't. You could paint it on the side of a wall and they still would miss it completely. Couldn't hit a deadline if you paid them. I was trying to pay them. They still couldn't hit the deadline. Um, so it's not about skill and talent so much as it is about the service and value that you're providing for what you're doing. Um, that's why this kind of information to kind of keep in mind is helpful. Now, like I said, and I've said, and I've said, and I'm going to keep saying every editor is different. Um, you, they will either tell you what they want um, or they will show you what they want with how they publish your final piece or you will have established some kind of rapport at some point and some comfort level at some point um, where you feel comfortable asking. I would encourage you if it's the first time you're writing for somebody, they don't have a guidelines page of what they expect from you, like what they want. You know, they're not telling you this many words and in this format and in this style, they're not giving you that information. Um, and you can't tell from their website and the content on their website. Do not be afraid to ask these questions. My way of looking at it would be that by asking these questions, you come across as the professional you're trying to be because you are letting them know, Hey, I want to give you what you want. I want this to be the best copy. The first time I send it to you, I don't want us to have to go back and forth. I, you know, you're, you're making it clear that you're trying to provide them exactly what they want and what they need. And you might need a little bit more information. I do know that I I'm, 
I am guilty of this. So I, and I know some editors are guilty of this because I've worked with them. They forget that not every writer knows what they want. They probably have worked with the same people for a long time, or they thought that it was obvious and it maybe isn't. And the editor you want to work with long-term is not going to be mad at you because you asked a question, y'all. They're just not. Um, they're, they might, you know, not be as sweet and nice and handholding as maybe you would prefer because you're a mass of nerves and your imposter syndrome is screaming at you. They might be kind of abrupt and like, here, here's what you need. And they're, they're moved on to the next thing, but you don't know what they want sometimes until you ask, do not be afraid to ask, show that you're able to communicate, show that you're trying to be the professional that they are assuming you are anyway. Um, and I would say, unless you are desperate, desperate, desperate for the money, do not keep working and submitting to a site where you detest working with the person you're going to have to work with every time. Like if, if they make you uncomfortable, if they're disrespectful, if they just sort of tear apart your content, unless you desperately need the money, because I won't tell anybody to do when that's the issue at stake. There are too many sites that are accepting pitches. And even now with the world being on fire outside, there are places still accepting pitches. It, the competition is higher, which is why it's not just about your ability to string words together. Yeah, you you need to be able to do that. Okay, you need to know how to, you know, tell a good story and your writing should be tight and it should be good. Yes, but that's not the only thing. And that's not going to help everybody get by anymore. You've got to be able to hit a deadline. You've got to be fairly easy to work with. You've got to be willing to be flexible and be editable. <laughs> like if, if your words are so precious that they cannot possibly be reordered in a different way and a paragraph cannot possibly be moved or a sentence cannot possibly be taken out of that post, then that post is probably not one that needs to be published on somebody else's site. It just needs to be published on yours. Because the thing that I had to learn to let go of very early, like 2014, y'all, when I first started, was once I write it and I send it on and I get paid for it, it's not mine anymore. I wrote it for somebody else and they kind of get to do what they want with it. Um, sometimes you learn the lesson the hard way that they will butcher your your writing. They, they will. Um, and then you have to go through whatever their process is to either get that back or you have to live with that. Um, and sometimes they'll treat it with care. And sometimes, this is the scary thing, this, this sort of makes me nervous. Sometimes they're clearly not editing anything. I have seen things get published that I submitted where they just did a literal copy and paste. And I went and looked later and there were clear errors. And then I went to my rough draft and those errors were my fault that I missed or I didn't know were errors at the time because you're always learning. And I was like, did, they, did anybody actually look at this before they, they just copied and pasted it? What? But you, you know, you end up looking like the, the one who didn't know what you were doing because it's your name on the article and look at all those errors there. I've also seen it where I didn't make the errors and the editor did. Whew, that's rough. That's rough. So yeah, there's a lot to it. It is not, I don't, maybe I've just been, it's the years at this point. I've just done it long enough that I've kind of gotten over that scared feeling. It's not really as fraught with, oh my gosh, what are they going to think of me as you imagine it to be? Especially if it's a big publication. The big publications, the popular publications, they are getting pitches probably literal hundreds a day, minimum dozens a day. 
they won't remember you from pitch to pitch. When they reject or they just don't answer you, it's not personal. When they're abrupt in any response they do give you, it's not personal. They're just too busy and they, they're they not thinking of you that way. Um, when you send a pitch that gets rejected, no, no editor I've ever met in my life, including myself, will remember you two weeks later when you pitch a new idea. They're not going to be going, oh, there's that person. Their pitch from two weeks ago was awful. I... I I know this one. They're, they're not y'all. They are not. I do not care who they are. They're not. The only time where personality might be an issue is when you're pitching to a site where you, there's one person running it. You pitch to the Smut Lancer, you're pitching to me. You pitch to Loving BDSM, you are pitching to me. Okay. So yeah, I'm going to remember you from time to time, but I'm telling you, I'm not, I'm not holding a grudge. You want to know when I hold a grudge? If I gave you a deadline and you missed it and you didn't email me, okay, I'll remember that because you won't get another opportunity, but I'm not going to come after you. I'm not going to talk shit about you. I'm not going to like blast you anywhere. I'm just going to be like, okay, that, nope, we're done there. And I move on. But at a larger entity, no, they're not looking at you that way. They do not remember you that way. You want to know when they start to remember you? When you start to send them consistently, um, decent pitches that they like, and then you consistently submit good writing to them on time, on deadline, and you make their job easier. Uh, for a couple of years, when I was doing some heavy vanilla writing under my legal name for online publications, I had like two or three editors that I could be really informal with. I could just send them a real quick email and go, hey, I had these three ideas. What do you think of them? Do you want any of them? I didn't have to do any of that formal crap. We have the relationship. Or they, and I still have a relationship with an editor now as Kayla, but I did this in, under my own, my legal name too. They could email me and go, oh my gosh, we have a hole. We have, we have somebody who backed out. Can you write this for us? And can we get it like by the first part of next week? And if I could, I would. If I couldn't, I would tell them I couldn't. And that's about boundary setting. And that's another conversation. But those are the relationships. If you're trying to be a full-time writer and you want to know that you have some steady work and you have editors who at least are open to your ideas. It's not an automatic acceptance, but they're open to it. That's how you do it. That's part of how you do it, especially in an online world where they're, we're not networking. I mean, I've never networked as a writer except for Eroticon. Um, I just did the best job I could and met my deadlines. And it's, it's that I'm not the best writer y'all. I read writers every day who make me look like I am a kindergartner with crayons. Okay. But it's not just about that. It's about the relationships you establish. It's about the work that you do. It's about the effort that you put in. It's about, you know, caring about the details so that you uh, make your editor's job a little bit easier it's about caring about the site that you're writing for. So you're trying to actually give the site what they want, what they're looking for. Like there's a lot that goes into it that actually has nothing to do with your ability to string two words together. So that was a very long rambly way of uh, giving you some tips for working with editors. Remember, your mileage may vary. Your Everybody's experience will be different. And every editor really is different. And until you get to know them, absent written guidelines that you can easily follow. Keep some of these things in mind. I will have them listed in the show notes. You, you can go back and reference them. I will have a shit ton of links about pitching and how to pitch and what to pitch and that, and all of that. And 
And this gets lost a lot. People forget. It's okay. Uh, at the smutlancer.com website, reminder, the smutlancer.com. I have an entire section. It's in the main menu. Like if you're looking on your phone, you go find the regular menu thing. Uh, it's called, uh, I think I call it writing opportunities or just opportunities. Uh, if you click on that main menu, you get like a little extra menu. And there's uh, fiction, nonfiction, paid, unpaid. Um, we have had the debate many times on the site and on the podcast about paid versus unpaid work. We will continue to have that debate. I have no doubt. Um, but because some people just want to write and they're, it's, this isn't about making money. They just want to write. I put those out there. Um, I do need to do some updating to that because I have one fiction site that is not included there that I actually am the editor for and that needs to be there. But if you don't know where to pitch, though the sites I've listed are not all of them. They are not. They are sites that I know are either adult brand brands or they want sexual content, informational or, you know, sexy erotica, um, or dating or relationships. And it's just the tip of the iceberg, y'all. I could have spent, I could have made it a full-time job to fill that up. And it still took me six months to do it. So it's once you start down that path, it becomes easier to find more and more. And there are a lot of sites that will give you that kind of information. Um, but that's a starting point. So the smutlancer.com, I think it's slash opportunities. I'll link to that section of the site in the show notes as well. Um, so if you're like, wait, where can I pitch? I I've got, I've got you a place where you can at least get started. Um, so yeah, I, silly me, I turned on the mic and thought this would be a 20 minute conversation. I don't know how I thought that. Um, I hope some of this has helped. I know some of you will have different experiences with different editors, because like I said, different editors do different things. Um, but I, I know from both sides as a writer and now as an editor, much of this is what works for me, has worked for me. It's why I still have editors who slide into my inbox and I'm like, hey, can you write this thing for us? Um, and when I can, I can. Um, so that's it for me this week. Next week, it will be Molly sharing some knowledge. I don't remember what her topic is, so it will be a surprise for both of us. Um, and then the week after that, we will be back, of course, like we do. Uh, if you enjoyed this, um, please share it with your fellow smutlancing writer types. Uh, if you're listening uh, on a podcast app that lets you leave a review, please, please leave a review. That does help. Um, you can follow Smutlancer on social media. That also helps. Um, the one thing if I was like, like, ooh, if I had to pick what I would like somebody to do if they have not already done it, that would probably be subscribed to the newsletter. That way you get these show notes in your inbox. Um, you get you don't have to try and keep up with me on Twitter or wherever to get new blog posts. It just, it comes straight to your email once a week and then you get everything all at once. So that's it for me. I need to stop rambling. Love you guys. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.